is uh, nothing like being in the presence of God, right? It's nothing like being in the presence of God. Everything is clearer. All the problems, all the confusion, all the worries, all the concerns, it just becomes clear. God loves you and God is here. And God drew you to this church to hear this word. God cares about you. So uh, before you sit down, just turn to someone and just tell them uh, God sees you and God loves you. When you do that, just tell them God sees you and God loves you. And then give them a kiss. And then you can have a, have a seat. Thank you, worship team. You guys, appreciate you guys. Thank you, Pastor Nick and the whole team. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. I need that. I need that. So, uh, well, I'll just tell you guys, God met with me in a special way this morning. Um, and and uh, I praise the Lord for his faithfulness. And I, I know God has a special word for us today because of the way he met with me this morning. And uh, I'm excited about today, this message. Uh, we're in this series uh, called, Would You Like to Leave a Tip? And, you know, l- last week, God moved in a special way, and, and he's already moving in a special way this morning. But that's just like God, to move in a series where we talk about money. How about that? Uh, how many of you are excited that we're talking about money? Just raise your hand. You're so, <laughs> you're like, oh boy, you know, Jesus talked a lot about money. This is our last weekend in this series. So next weekend, I'm starting a brand new series called Red Letters. And guess what we're going to focus on? We're going to focus on the words of Jesus. And it's going to take us all the way through Easter. And it's going to be way cool. There's a whole story behind red letters that I'm personally, emotionally attached to. And I'm super excited about it. The words of Jesus. So we'll be looking at that starting next week. But um, today, this is our last, last, uh, last message in this series, uh, which is so good. I mean, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, if all we have to do is look at our money and how we spend it. And we'll know what's important to us, right? In fact, we might know what we worship uh, if we just look at our money. Um, <clears throat> every Saturday night, we have what's called, a, I affectionately call, an after party. So uh, what happens is those people who are, are volunteering, the worship team and the people behind the house, our AV team and whoever else is volunteering, we stay here late and we eat um, even as late as 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night every Saturday. And the reason why we started that was because on Saturday, that's when our services are recorded. So over here in this, my left, uh, you're right, in that room, we have editors. And they're working on putting together the service that we just recorded on Saturday night. And they work on it. And they work on it till probably 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And then it goes even farther than that. We have our, our digital director, uh, Josiah. He stays up till 3 o'clock in the morning uh, working on getting that ready. And then, of course, it's put on like right now. Like right now, as I speak, what time is it? 9.43. There's someone watching it right now. So that's what goes on on Saturday nights. There's a lot of work involved. So on Saturday nights, we, uh, we go out to eat. We go somewhere and we pick up wings or go to Kidovas or noodles or whatever it is. And we pick it up and we bring it back and we eat in the front lobby. And we put tables there and we just talk about what God is doing. We laugh a lot and we just hang out so that these guys won't be alone. I said a lot, guys. I'm working to this. So, anyway, so a few Saturdays ago, um, um, we, were, we, were, you know, we were about to pay. And one of the guys says, um, I got this one. And paid for the, for the whole, I mean, this is a large group. It could be as many as 20 people. 
eating. And he said, I got this one. And he took care of it. And I thought, wow, isn't that, doesn't that feel good when someone says, I got, I got this one? That's the title of today's message. And uh, I, I, I think um, it's just a blessing when someone says, I got this one, and they take care of the meal for you, right? Isn't that a blessing? Wouldn't you agree with that? Now, I know some of you, let's just be really honest. This is a church where we're super honest. Some of you, when at the end of the meal, and it hasn't really been determined who pays for it, And at the end of the meal, you might be that person who is like super slow to reach into your pocket to get to your wallet. You know, you know who you are. You're super slow and you're thinking if they're a faster draw than I am, it's okay. And you're just taking your time and that kind of, and others of you, you're just super generous and you're like, I got this one. I got, I'm going to, I'm not even going to get, you might even hide the ticket from them. And they're like, what happened to the ticket? It's already paid for. Now it becomes a problem when you have two super generous people at the table, because it could become like a little UFC match of generosity. And I got this one. No, I got this one. I got this one. I got, you know, that kind of thing. I was uh, taking care of someone once and the man like legit was angry at me because I wanted to pay for him. And and then I was like, okay, that's fine. Pay for it. It's okay. No, I want to split it. I'm going to pay for myself. I said, okay, okay. Pay for yourself and pay for me too. That's what I said. (laughs) So you want to go there? Let's go there. (laughs) But uh, um, I got this one. Um, And that's what we're talking about today. And I want to talk to you about the most generous person of all. And you read about him in John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let's read this out loud, guys. Let's read it out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever shall not perish So far, you guys are the best service. I just want you guys to know that. So strong and bold. You're my favorite today. Um, <coughs> uh, for God so loved today. For God so loved the world that he... Okay, come on now, guys, <laughs> that he gave. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, just think about that, that he gave. Gave his, his one and only son. And I want to say this, God is so generous that he gave his one and only son to us so that we could know his love and be saved from hell. Glory to God. That's love. We were headed to hell. Headed to hell. And God loved us so much. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to just stand back and watch. I'm going to send my only son, Jesus, into this world. And whoever puts their faith in him can know the presence of God, know the joy of God, know the peace of God, know know the the relationship with God, and be saved from hell and go to heaven instead. Um, I thought about this idea of God giving, and then I thought about, you know, it wasn't a one-time deal. Lamentations chapter 3 says, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new. How often? Every day. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Think about that. Every morning, God gives. Every morning, God's giving you grace. Right now, God's giving you grace. His loving kindness is, is new, and it's fresh every morning. I read this week where, where, where sin abounds. Grace abounds more. Glory to God. Every morning he gives grace. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to I talk to you about a, an incredible giving group of people and how God just changed their lives. So uh, let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your presence already here right now. And um, thank you, Lord, for ministering to my heart this morning, Lord, so early in the morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. I'm so grateful, Lord. 
And now, God, by your grace, have your way. Um, Holy Spirit, speak to every heart. Work in me and through me by your grace. May we all get a clear picture of your love for us, God. May we all uh, go deeper in our walk with you today. And uh, may we leave this place different from when we came in, Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord Jesus. And we just rebuke the devil, the father of lies. You have no business in this place. And we surrender ourselves to you. And if you desire to just have an encounter with God, just tell him right now, say, God, speak to me. Make that your prayer. Say, God, speak to me. God, give me, a, give me ears to hear your voice and eyes to see and a heart to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> um, something happens when someone turns to Jesus. If someone authentically turns to Jesus, I mean authentically, like I ain't playing, <laughs> you know, I need God. And they authentically turn to Jesus. They're changed. They're just different. It's a crazy thing that happens. I've seen men turn to Jesus and their wives tell me something happened to him. And I've seen women turn to Jesus and men say, man, this is what I've been praying for. Whatever it is. And when someone turns to Jesus, they're different. I had a boss that was far from God. And when he turned to Jesus, he became incredibly generous incredibly generous. So there's this dynamic, this spiritual transformation, this character transformation that happens when someone turns to Jesus. And Jesus wants more of you. Jesus is not done with you. It was not a one-time event that happened 10 years, 20 years, 50 years ago. Jesus wants more of you. I want to share with you a story about this group of people who turned to Jesus and were completely changed in every way. And uh, we're going to go to the, to the New Testament, and we're going to look at uh, the writing of Paul. Paul was uh, one of our first missionaries. Uh, his former name was Saul, and he got saved. He ran into Jesus. He was changed. And then he started, he did three missionary trips. And one of the missionary trips, um, he visited all these churches. In fact, he is um, uh, the, the author of much of the New Testament, and, and he's credited to be the author of much of the New Testament. And uh, you read about this story in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. But what Paul is doing is he's visiting these churches in Corinth. And he's talking to people like you. He's talking to people who are, you know, just trying to walk with God. But he's talking to them about these other group of, of people in Macedonia. They're these Macedonian Christians, right? They're trying to walk with God and they're trying to, you know, walk by faith and they're trying to figure out who God is. And these Christians in Macedonia run into Jesus and uh, they're changed. They're different. And they're so different, they gain a reputation for being generous. So Paul travels around, um, and he goes all over this place, and you can see on the map, he goes to Corinth and, and Philippi and Thessalonica and, and Ephesus, and these are all the letters that you read about in the New Testament, Ephesians, Thessalonians, Corinthians, uh, Philippians, all these things. So uh, Paul is just traveling, writing to people like you and, and me in, in these different areas. So he goes to Corinth, and he's like bragging about these Christians in Macedonia who ran into Jesus and they're just different. So, so here's where we're going we're gonna to start off, guys. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, and Paul is talking to the, to the Christians in Corinth. 
about the Macedonians. Here it is. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. But, say but with me, guys, but. They are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. As I was studying this passage, guys, um, I couldn't move past verse 2. I was ready to go to verse 3, and the Lord said, nope, look at verse 2 again. And I'm like, okay, I looked at it, I read it again, and I was ready to go to verse 3, and the Lord said, nope, go back to verse 2, Reuben. And uh, I, I thought about these, these people in Macedonia. It says they are being tested by many troubles. And most of the time, when we go through problems and troubles in life, what do we do? You might hunker down, focus on yourself, go into survival mode, take care of yourself. Whatever it takes, you focus on you. You're most important. Because troubles, you know, it's, it's very personal when you go through problems and troubles and that kind of thing. And it says they're being tested. Now, there's some troubles that we go through, some problems that we go through in life that are just, we just kind of run into them. There's some of that. And there's some problems that we run into our life that we bring upon ourselves. We make foolish decisions. We make hasty decisions, premature decisions, impatient, where it might be impulsive. And we make these decisions, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a trouble and problems because of that decision we made. But in the midst of it all, God is so good and he's so big, he can actually use troubles to draw you to him to test you. He can do that. And let me say it like this, you don't know who you are till you've been tested and tried. That's when you discover who you are. It's pretty easy to, you know, puff yourself up when things are going well, right? When everything's going well, it's all just, it's just, it's just cake, right? It's just t-ball. It's just easy. But what happens when you go through life and you're tested? Maybe you're tested to forgive someone, Maybe you've been hurt by someone. Maybe someone has, has uh, slandered you. Maybe someone has hated on you. Whatever it is. Or you find yourself in financial problems. Or you find yourself in marriage problems. Or work problems. Or whatever it is. And you go through this problem. And as you go through this problem, you know, who you are is just kind of stripped as you go through it. And you have to come to grips with, who am I? What do I believe? Am I going to stand or am I going to flee? I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to be faithful or am I going to be unfaithful? What am I going to do? Who am I going to lean on? Who, who am I going to trust? And then it says, and they are very poor. So they're being tested with many troubles, Macedonian, these Christians, and they're very poor. Now you would think, you know, you look at that and you're like, God, you know, Give these guys a break. I mean, they're going through all these problems and they're very poor. Have you ever had like one problem on top of another problem? You know what I'm talking about? Like compounded problems. Like, like I got problems at work and I got problems at home. You know what I mean? You know, I got problems. I got problems with my finances and I got problems with my friends. I got problems here and my soul's not good here. And you got compounded problems and you're living like that. And it's just like one problem on top of another problem. And you're like, is God picking on me? What's going on? Why do I feel this way? Why am I going through this? And you have all those questions. And I want you to know you have a God who sees you. And God works through compounded problems. 
You have a God who's able to handle any situation you're facing right now. You have a God who's able to reach you. You're not too far from God. You're not too far from God. You have a God who believes there's still a chance. There's still a chance. And I'm not giving up on you. That's your God. And God loves you and he has this plan for you. He has a future for you. And, uh, and, God, and God works through these problems. And these Macedonians have this problem and this problem. And they're very poor. And this, uh, the scripture says this, scripture says, says, says this that, that they, uh, that they uh, are givers. Now, when someone's very poor, um, as a pastor, I can tell you this. And pastors from across the country can tell you this. Churches are known for being places for people to go to to ask for money. I mean, we get calls every week from people who need money. Sometimes it's legit. Unfortunately, many times it's not. And, and it's just what it is. And, and, uh, but you know what I've never had as a pastor? I've never had someone say, I'm going through a bunch of problems and right now finances are not good and I'm going through a lot of hardships financially and I want to know how I can give to the church. I've never heard that. I've never heard someone say, I'm going through really hard times financially and we want to give to someone who needs it. We don't think like that. These Macedonian Christians were different. And, and scripture says this, check it out, verse two, this is where the Lord just, I mean, he just had me camp out here, guys. But they're also filled with abundant joy. And I thought about that. Do you have joy? Do you ever have joy? You know the difference between joy and happiness? Happiness is when you get a fat check and you're excited about that, right? Or happiness is maybe the Broncos won or something or, or CU's doing well. Or happiness is you got a great parking spot in front of King Supers. I don't know. But whatever it is, that's happiness. That's circumstantial stuff. But joy is different. Joy is different. And the Lord led me to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Um, this verse right here, this is describing a time when Israel was getting out of exile. They were kicked out. They were evicted from the promised land. And they were living in Babylon. And now they're coming back. So now they're coming back. And in verse 10, um, um, they have all these questions in the back of their mind. Questions like, like, uh, like, like uh, how, how's God going to relate to us now? Like we used to live in the promised land and now we, we've got evicted from the promised land and now we're not sure what's going to happen and, and is, is it going to go back to the way it used to be? Um, what's going to happen kind of thing? And the, and the Lord tells them this, go and enjoy choice uh, through Nehemiah, go and enjoy choice of food and sweet drinks and send money, send some to those who have, have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your Strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. One more time. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So, so this is, and then I looked at that word joy. Again, it's the same joy that the Macedonians had. And you know what this word joy here in Hebrew means? It's chedva, which means gladness. And the root word for joy is to rejoice or make glad. And the word strength here means a place or means of safety, protection, refuge, or stronghold. So the root word for strength is to be strong, to prevail, to make firm, to strengthen. So here's another way to say this. True joy is a soul that is genuinely glad, not because of circumstances, but because of a personal awareness of God's presence. It's from this place that they find safety and strength to overcome any problem they face in life. Glory to God. That's true joy. 
It's like, I, you know, the circumstances may change, and, but you know what? I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. And I'm happy because of the joy of the Lord. God's with me and things might not make sense right now. And and my bank account may not be where I want it to be. And I might be in the red over here. I might be going through problems here. And and this might be happening. But you know what? I know God is with me. And that's enough. The joy of the Lord. And I have strength because of my intimate relationship with God. I have strength because of my intimate relationship with God. With Jesus, God is so good at giving strength. He gives strength to us through his word. That's why it's so important for you to spend time in his word every single day. Read it every morning. Read one chapter every morning and spend time in God's word every single day. And God will give you strength that you don't have. There's certain strength that you cannot build up on your own. It doesn't matter how many, how many reps. It doesn't matter how much you run. It doesn't matter how many positive books you read. It, there's certain strength that comes from the presence of the Lord. And the Macedonians, they've been changed. So they're going through being tested by many troubles, right? And they're very poor. But they have this abundant joy inside of them as a result of their relationship with God and their givers as a result of it. The other thing I think about joy is this. Um, Psalm chapter 32, David said, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Hallelujah. It's a great feeling, guys. When you experience the forgiveness of your sins, and you know God has forgiven you, and you sense that cleansing of the Holy Spirit, that you've been forgiven and he loves you, you have a joy inside of you that you're just ready to, you know, dance and take on the devil with a squirt gun. And, you know, God is so good. I, like, life is good. And I don't care if I have peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. I don't care. I mean, you know what I mean? And here's what I want to say about people who are full of joy. Joyful people are forgiving people because they know how it feels to be forgiven. They don't hold grudges. They're just joyful people. Know what it feels like to taste the grace of God. And they're like, you know what? I've been so changed. You need to taste the grace of God too. I'm not going to, you shouldn't live in that guilt and shame. You need the mercy of God just like I do. And they, they are giving people. They don't hold grudges. They're mindful of their hearts. They're always guarding their hearts. The difference between joy and happiness is one is rooted in God and the other is rooted in circumstances. Circumstances can be confusing. Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why is this happening? Circumstances can be really confusing. But when you're rooted in your relationship with God, you have joy, and you trust that God will work everything out according to his purpose for those who love God, right? God will work everything out, even that wrong and even that messy thing. And even though this happened and even though this whatever, God will work everything out. So your eyes are not on the circumstances. Your eyes are on your relationship with God. You hear that? The Macedonian Christians had this relationship with Jesus. They had this relationship with God. And as a result, they're being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. And they have this abundant joy. And as a result of that abundant joy, they're, they're, they're givers. It says, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. You know, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, joy. 
right? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, gentleness, long-suffering, all those things. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if you want more joy, you need more God. And the more God you have in your life, it changes your character. It changes you. It changes your home. It changes the way you deal with people. It changes your perspective of life. It changes the way you view problems. It changes all those things. And you'll have more joy inside of you as you open up yourself to God. You'll have more joy inside of you as you surrender yourself completely to God. It's a crazy thing that happens. And once you get taste that taste, it's like an adrenaline thing. You're like, I want more. <laughs> this is so good. I want more, God. I want more, God. I want more, God. I want to experience more freedom. I want to be, I want to be delivered at a greater level. Uh, you just want more and more of God. This verse said, uh, verse three says, look guys, we're only in verse three. We got 47 verses to go through. Uh, it says, we're, that's just kidding. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Say far more with me, far more, far more. And, and, uh, and they did it of their own free will. Remember, they're being tested by many troubles. And they're very poor. How many of you know what it feels like to be very poor? I mean, how many of you know what it feels like to get cheese? And that's all you, food stamps. You know what I'm talking about? You have roaches come crawling in your cupboard. How many of you know that life? That's, that's a different level. That's a different level. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Don't forget how far God has brought you. And I think about this verse. Uh, they gave out of joy because they hadn't forgotten how far God has brought them. They, were, they had this love affair with God. God got a hold of their life and it changed. And, and they gave even, even this phrase and they did it of their own free will. They, they, they gave what, what, what they could afford, but far more than what they could afford. Um, this last week, um, I did a memorial service, you know, in my line of work, I see a lot. I see the best and worst in people, including Christians. And I also, I see birth and it's a time of celebration and I see death and a time of comfort. And so I, I officiated this uh, memorial service this last, um, Tuesday, Tuesday and, uh, <coughs> sweet, uh, this man who passed away, um, um, he used to attend Thorn Creek and just sweet family. And they had um, people, his sisters came in and came in from um, New Mexico. So uh, um, the sister, um, she was an older saint. Let's put it that way, older saint. Um, part of that, uh, how do I put it? I say golden age. You know what I'm talking about? So she, uh, she came back here and, and she played uh, some songs. I don't know how to play the piano or keyboards here, but she played some songs. And, um, and she told me that she first started, and she's probably in her, I don't know, guys, 70s or so, something like that. And she told me that, that uh, she first learned how to play in her youth group at church. And she started playing in her youth group. And she never stopped. She played every weekend. And she continued. Now she's 70-something, and she still plays at her church. And I'm looking at her, and she's, uh, they, she sings like three hymns. And, and I don't even know the hymns, guys. I mean, I didn't grow up in church like her, but they were just, and you can tell the crowd knew the hymns. They were older, older crowd. They knew the hymns. And she's singing these hymns, and they're beautiful hymns, and the lyrics are beautiful. And she's singing these hymns with, you know, you see the joy inside of her heart. And, and I'm looking at her, and you know what I'm thinking? 
we're standing on that generation's shoulders right there. That's what I'm thinking. We're standing on these saints who did not have much, but they gave themselves to God completely. This is that woman who went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and was there all the other nights to help decorate and make sure the plants had plenty of water and make sure everything was in order and vacuuming the church and all that. You know, anybody know that kind of, that kind of life? Well, a lot of us don't know. But there was a generation that was so in love with the church of Jesus Christ that they gave themselves completely to God. A lot of them were farmers. A lot of them were farmers. They had a unique perspective of the love of God. They just knew God is the one who sends the rain. God is the one. And these people, as I look at them and I think, oh my goodness, I can tell you stories and stories and stories about this generation right here that gave far more. There's church buildings that you drive by that have been funded by this generation right here. Completely funded. There's buildings on college campuses. I know of a family in Kansas, a beautiful family, love God. They run into some oil on their property. They make a whole lot of money, and they donate it to a Christian university in Kansas. And one of their, one of their buildings, it's one of the dorms for, for I believe it's the, the girls' dorm, says their name on the, on the building. And then they lost that oil, and it was gone. And you ask them about it, hey, do you regret giving all that money to that Christian university? And they said, nope. God gave it to us to give to them. Beautiful attitude. And, and, and I think about that generation, the way they gave, the way they loved. They, they were passionate about God's word in the home. Oh, let me just say this, guys. It is so important. The strongest, if you want to have a strong home, um, husband and wife, stay together. Work through your marriage because that is the basic foundation of any home. And it's stronger than anything else. It's stronger than any coach or professor or teacher. It's, it's a man and a woman who say, I do, and they say, we're going to stick in it. We're Whatever, wherever you're at, if you're at right now, if you're in your second marriage, third marriage, whatever, you stay together and you show your kids what it looks like to walk with Jesus. You show your kids what it looks like to have a commitment with God. Show your kids, well, say, this is what it looks like. That's the basic foundation right there, guys. That's the basic foundation. And uh, the way they gave was so beautiful. I want to say this. We have a responsibility to carry on the same spirit of generosity that our older saints modeled for us. You hear that? It's your turn. And if there was ever a time where this world needed Jesus, if there was ever a time to be light in darkness, there was ever a time to stand up for what's right, this is it. This is it. Because our morals are going a whole different direction. Values are going a whole different direction. Your kids are hearing a whole different message in that public school. They're hearing a whole different message. And we need to stand up for what's right and stand on God's word and stand up and live a life of integrity and faith and truth. And we need to, we need to live that kind of life before God. We need to do that. We need to do that. Something about that generation was they did something called tithe. That's 10%. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says, Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. And doing this, doing this tithing 
will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Doing it. Uh, <clears throat> when you honor God, and tithe means 10%. So for Grace and I, ever since I came to know Jesus, and she, she knew Jesus before me, but it, we, we honor God with a tithe. And even when I used to do sales, it was if I get any commissions, if I get any bonuses, Christmas bonuses, year-end bonuses, if I get income tax return that becomes you know, a check, anything that comes in as income, babysitting money, it doesn't matter. We're going to honor God with 10% of it. And that's been our strategy. And God has been so faithful. That's what it means to tithe. It's saying, God, this is, belongs to you, and I'm going to trust you. It's a step of faith. Saying, God, I'm going to honor you with this, and now I have 90% left, but I'm going to trust God that you're going to take care of the 90%. Now, you need to understand this. It depends on your attitude. Your attitude matters to God. If you do this out of a relationship with God, and you give yourself first to God, and you trust God with the troubles that you work through, the problems that you work through, and you go deeper in your relationship with God, and God gives you this joy inside, this unspeakable joy inside, and as a result of that joy, you're like, yeah, I'm going to honor God. This is all his. He's given it to me anyway. That's a whole different attitude. Then the church wants my money. You hear the difference? So it's about your heart. It's about your It's really a spiritual issue. It's really a spiritual issue. And in chapter 9, there's this description of, of, of how to, what generosity looks like. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Pretty simple. Few seeds, small crop. Generous planting, generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you give. And don't give reluctantly or in, pressure to, or in response to pressure. Just keep your money if that's what you're going to do. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That means hilariously. So when in the church and these older saints, their order was this. We're going to honor God with, our, with our, our tithe, 10%. And anything above that is considered an offering. So if you want to give to United Way or Food for Hope or whatever it is, that's above that tithe. That's the biblical order right there. And then verse 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 9 says, as the scriptures say, I'm jumping in, uh, Steve. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So you have to understand this. This starts with a relationship with Jesus. This is about a relationship with God. And the closer you grow to God, the closer, the more you experience God, you experience this thing called peace and there's joy. There's all those fruits of the spirit, but there's something else that happens inside of your heart. It's contentment. It's contentment. Like I may not have much, but I'm happy. I'm joyful. I'm okay. I shared last night, I was at Starbucks yesterday and I was in the drive-thru and um, you know how when you go through a drive-thru, there's typically like a wall right by you as you drive up to the window and you hear the sounds of other people's engines 
Have you ever done that? You stick your head out like, is that my car? You know, here, clack, 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 clack. It's like, whoa, is that my car? Is that the car in front of me? Or is that the car behind me? You know, have you ever done that before? And I'm like listening, revving up the engine. Is that me? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And I, think, and I, heard, and I hear all kinds of stuff there. And then I heard this one. And I'm like, I think that one's me. And then I thought, it's all good. God's taking care of me. I'm not worried about it. You just, the longer you walk with God, the more you recognize his love. And he takes care of the soles of your shoes. And he'll answer prayers that you never ask. He knows the desires of your heart. Turn to someone and just tell them, you got no worries. Just tell them, you got no worries. All you have to do is throw yourself into God. God is crazy in love with you. He's crazy in love with you. He loves you so much. He's with you. You don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to worry about. God is in love with you. And the Macedonian Christians, they got it. They experienced God in the midst of the troubles. And they were also very poor. But they had this abundant joy. And they gave generously. And other people were impacted by it. Glory to God. This is a church that has a lot of generous givers. You know why we talk about money, guys? I want you to be here. It's not about us getting more money. It's about us wholly, completely being followers of Jesus and letting God be God in every corner of our life. Every corner of our life. That's the desire. Every corner of our life. And when you, when you honor God with every corner of your life and you surrender your eyes to God, everything you see, all the videos, you surrender your heart, all your desires, you surrender your past. You ask God to invade your past and your present. When you have that kind of commitment, you turn to God, fiercely turn to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus will take your life and he'll make things come out of it that were not there. He'll create rivers and deserts. He will do marvelous, miraculous things in your life. If you turn to Jesus with all of your heart, it's not too hard for, and Jesus just wants to breathe life into you. He wants to breathe life into you in every problem you face. And we have generous givers here who've run into Jesus. Generous givers. I want you to show, I want to show you the impact of your generosity. Take a look at this. Yeah. Yeah. About the age of 16, I got tired of the way my parents treated me and the way they were treating the people around them. Um, very hypocritical. The best way I can put it is that they were the best examples of the worst Christians. Um, so at 16, I completely stopped going to church, left faith completely, thought God was a complete joke, thought Christianity, Christianity was a joke. And when I was 18, or well, when I was 17, um, I left my home and moved in with my grandparents full time due to friction at home and went off and tried to find acceptance and love in all the wrong places. And I ended up pregnant and alone at 19. And um, when I was pregnant, I met somebody in the military and I thought that he could provide what I didn't have. And so we decided to get married and the marriage was not great. And I ended up leaving due to uh, him being very abusive when my first son was um, just over a year old. And I actually had Reese help me move out of my ex-husband's house and he's been by my side 
ever since. And she decided that the kids should go to VBS. I guess her grandma had told her that VBS was starting and she wanted something for the kids to do. And the kids seem to enjoy it. The kids are comfortable here. So we had found out that they were going to be performing yeah. their, their music. choreography and their music that same Saturday night, Saturday night yeah. after the week. And we decided to go. I remember that Pastor Ruben gave a message called His Sacrifice, Your Gain. Yep. And I just went into it thinking, oh, it's just going to be another message. I've heard it a thousand times not going to be anything new it's going to be the same because we both same standard yeah we grew up in church it's nothing i haven't heard before we knew and we knew what we were supposed to do and we were trying to do it by ourselves yeah but hearing it from reuben i don't know what it was it just it felt like he was speaking to me he kept looking at me which i thought was kind of weird yeah but he kept it felt like he was talking directly to me yeah and when we left that night i told aubrey i said hey maybe we should come back next week the week leading up to that Saturday mess, that Saturday night service after VBS week, um, in my trash truck, I had watched every podcast that I could watch and listen to every song I could listen to, and every sermon. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna start listening to Thorn Creek service sermons online. And so I literally went, scrolled all the way to the bottom on YouTube, clicked play, and it continuously looped one came on at 3 30 in the morning that i'll never forget uh it was pastor jeremy from a couple weeks prior in the hebrews i think it was the hebrews series that they were doing and the title of it was very perfectly titled it it said time to grow up and (laughs) i was working and i remember hearing the message and I had to park the truck because I couldn't see through the tears that I was crying. It hit me like a freight train, had nothing like it. That day in that parking lot, I sat there and cried my eyes out in my trash truck and decided to pray and I actually turned my life over to God that day. And I had to let her know. Yeah, this is happening. I'm so excited. Like, we're, we're doing this, right? Yeah? We're, we're going to go? We haven't missed a weekend. And I told her one day we had walked through the doors. Ruben knew my name at that point. I wasn't nervous to walk in. And Ruben walked up and gave me a hug, said, how you doing? Glad to see you, brother. And I looked at her. I said, this is home. Yeah. Yeah, that had changed it for us. And then the kids... This we is come their in. Home. This is their home. It makes me so happy when they can walk through the doors, and no one, no one gives them grief. They welcome yeah. them. This is home, and we don't know where we would be without it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And this is changed our lives. Yeah. For the better. Yep. So, yeah, we couldn't thank Thorn Creek enough for everything they've done and the love and support <laughs> yeah that they've given us yeah yep our housing situation oh, and yeah. you know everything's <laughs> expensive everywhere and that's i don't think gonna change and so we've had to definitely make some decisions and we're still in that process of making decisions of you know 
with with his job and where are we going to live and what are we going to do with our kids and what how are we going to make all of this mesh and stay together on top of you know um we're our prime we're the primary caregivers for my grandparents and between three kids being expensive finding out that our rent's going up another couple hundred dollars we yeah. just all the budgeting was not Ad lining it wasn't up. adding up we we there was no way we were going to be able to stay where we were. Yeah. That's why we made the decision to stay, pull the kids out. To give us another year. School to give us another year where we're at so that we can make the decision. It's been hard. Come in. Hey, guys. Huh? How did it go? Good. 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 Uh, can I say that? Yeah. Thank you. No, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. So I wanted to say something before we wrapped up. Um, do you guys remember what we started a couple months ago called Ten Above? Yeah. So yeah. if you guys don't remember, and I think I do, I think you do, look yeah. at it, look on your face, um, oh. we ask everybody to give Ten Above their normal tithe. Um, in order to bless somebody in the church. And you guys are such a wonderful couple. And to see your faith in God has been so, so encouraging. And your church family loves you so much. So you guys have been nominated and chosen for oh 10 above. And here's a check for a thousand. That's awesome. Wow. That, that honestly couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Because as I'm getting ready to start my new job, I'm gonna have a gap where I'm not working as much, and that's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much. We love you guys so much. We love you guys too. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Of course. Oh. Thank you so much. Of course. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, put our hands together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. So uh, thank you so much, guys. Thank you guys for sharing that story. I love the part, Reese, where you're like, well, you're kind of interrupting us. We're in the middle of sharing our story. It's beautiful. You know, before that happened, um, and, and they gave me permission to share this, it was so bad that Reese was dumpster diving looking for food. That's how bad it was. And, uh, and we've all been there. A lot of us have been there, if you know someone's been there. And uh, here's what I want you to see. When you surrender yourself to the will of God, God will include you in his work. God will include you in his divine appointments. And you're part of something bigger than you. And I think it's beautiful the fact that you guys, um, you guys grew up in situations that were not always good. There was pain and there was hurt. And it skewed your view of Christians, right? It skewed your view of the church. And then God got a hold of you. This is what God does. Maybe I'm speaking to someone else. And God got a hold of you. And what he does is he rebuilds you. And he says, okay, this is what the love of God looks like. This is what a healthy church looks like. This is what a healthy Christian looks like. And he like, like wipes away all that stuff and he heals, glory to God. He heals and then, and then he shows you, okay, this is what it looks like. And that's what happens when you say, God, use me. God will include you in the work of a soul. 
that will be in heaven because you have made yourself available to serve, to give, whatever it is. And they have a new perspective of God's love because you said yes to God. You hear that? That's what I want you to see. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. So what's 10 above? We do this every once in a while and I want to give you an opportunity. Um, 10 above is this weekend is a 10 above weekend and you can get your phone out and take a picture. Um, we, uh, we ask everyone to give an extra $10 on top of their tithe and offering. On top of their tithe and offering. And then we take uh, that, that, uh, that money and we prayerfully choose someone. So, so here's a nomination. One, oh, it'll leave that up just a little bit longer because we've got some people taking pictures of that. So uh, once you, after you give, the, the other part of this is you need to nominate someone. So, so let's go to the next QR. Here's a nomination form. And there's two conditions that we look for too. First thing is um, someone who attends Thorn Creek Church, it's going through a financially hard time. They need to be reminded of God's love. They attend Thorn Creek, going through a hard time, need to be reminded of God's love. Fill it out. Tell us why you think they're good candidates. And what we do is we pray. I mean, the whole staff is involved. We pray. Now, here's the other person. If there's someone who does not attend any church, they don't attend any church. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you go to school with them. Maybe they're a neighbor, whatever. They do not attend any church. They also qualify. They also qualify. So we want to know who that person is. So whoever the Lord puts on your heart and we pray and as the funds become available, then we do it. And let me give you one last QR code, guys. This is related to the message. Some of you, this is our last weekend talking about money here, you know, in, in a series. But I want to give you an opportunity to start honoring God. And maybe it's saying, I'm going to start honoring God with a full tithe. I'm going to start honoring God, or I'm going to work up to it. I'm going to make it a habit. I'm going to make it come out automatically, whatever. That's what we do in our home. And just, I want to give you that opportunity. This is a faith step. This is about your relationship with God. This is about your relationship with God. God is so good. God is so good. Um, I want to say a prayer for everyone, guys. I want to say a prayer for everyone. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you for your word. And uh, if you've been in this service and you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus, you want to become a Christian and say this prayer. Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I give you all of my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I ask you to get behind the steering wheel of my life and take over. Teach me how to walk by faith. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me so that I know right from wrong. I want to start a relationship with you. Others of you might need to say this prayer. God, I want to be like a Macedonian Christian in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my problems. Help me to be faithful. Help me to fix my eyes on you, Jesus. Help me to trust you. I want that abundant joy that comes from your Holy Spirit that's rooted in my relationship with you, God, and not rooted in the circumstances. So God, I give you myself. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen.